23 this morning. So if you would, uh, if you have your Bibles, join me there. If not, just uh, watch the screen. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet I have yet I was kind of you, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and once again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increase to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we do thank you for this time and this opportunity that we have this morning, Lord, to just come here freely to worship you without persecution, to learn about your word, Lord God, to just uh, be in your presence, Lord. We just ask that you meet us here today, Lord, and uh, I just ask, Lord, that you remove me from your equation here this morning, Lord God, and just let your word... Uh, come through my mouth, Lord. I just uh, thank you for this week uh, leading up to today, the study and just the lessons you've taught me, Lord. I just uh, ask that you open up the ears of the congregation here today, Lord God, so they can hear your word, Lord. Open up their hearts so they can uh, feel your word and just uh, open up their minds so they can use your word, Lord God, and leave here changed and different, Lord. As we talk about contentment today, Lord God, I just ask that... uh, You just give us the ability, Lord, to be content in you and through you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody. Um, Before we get into Scripture, I have to share something with you um, to kind of get it off my chest. I don't want to come up here and talk about contentment when this week I had a little bit of issue with contentment. Um, It's funny. That's how the Lord works. Anytime you go to study something, anytime you go to teach something, anytime 
you're in his word, he's going to teach you not only through his word, but through personal experiences. And so um, today, as you all see, we have bulletins, right? They look pretty nice. Um, Well, last week, our copy machine went down and um, it's no longer under contract. So that means we got to come out of pocket to pay for it. And sometimes um, it's not easy to make that phone call to the repairman and say, hey, come on out. We need you to come take a look at this. You know, sometimes there's a little sticker shock to that comes with that. But uh, so we called the guy out on Wednesday. He comes out, he takes a look, he does his thing, pulls it apart, puts it all together, and it's fixed. Thursday, I take the youth kids to Craters of the Moon. And uh, so I'm not in the office. I come back Thursday night to, to print off some of my notes so I can continue to study and stuff. Well, the printer's jammed. I'm like, oh, perfect. So uh, I jam it, try it again, it jams up again. I'm like, okay, Lord, you're teaching me to be content this week. I'm just going to leave this here, and I'm going to go home. So went home, right, come in the next day, pull apart, get all the papers out, and, you know, throw all the papers in the trash, go to hit it, hit print, beep, boop, bop, froze, stuck, jam. Okay? It's like, oh, wow, Perfect. So I spend, I don't know, another 30 minutes on it, trying to get it to work and nothing. So I'm in the Lord's Word, right, learning about contentment. So I'm content. I leave it alone. I go. Saturday morning, we come in uh, to set up for a baby shower. And I'm like, okay, Lord, today's the day, right? We're going to get this thing to work. We need bulletins. I need my notes. Let's go. So try it again. Nothing. So I go back, help uh, my wife Amanda do some cooking for the baby shower, set some things up, and the whole time all I can hear is that stupid copy machine, right? I'm not working, I'm not working, and I feel like it's mocking me, like it's taunting me, okay? And I'm trying to be content. So finally, I go back in there, I pull it apart, put it back together, and hit print, and same thing, it jams again. And so this is where I have to confess my sins is I was not content. Okay, so don't tell Jackie. If you're an elder, please earmuff it real quick. So I kicked it. I kicked it not too hard because I didn't want to break it, but hard enough so it knew that I meant business, right? And I didn't kick it once. I kicked it twice. And um, it felt good. So I went back down. I sat down and I hit print. And wouldn't you know it, it worked. So I don't know where that falls into place. But I just have to, you know, confess my sins to you guys before I come up here and preach to you about being content. But uh, bulletins came out great. Notes came out great. We haven't had a problem since. So... If the copier doesn't work here, don't kick it, okay? Come get me, and we'll figure it out together, okay? It does not give you license to kick our copy machine. But it is working well, Phil, okay? It's, it's doing great. Uh, yeah. All right, so um, 
Today is a lovely morning. Great morning. I love July. I love the warmth. I love barbecues. I love camping. All that stuff that goes with it. Um, And I just love the opportunity I have to just come up here before you guys today. Yeah, it's a little nerve-wracking. Yeah, I, I fear that I don't do the word justice, but I love just sharing the word with others. And so um, every week I get to do that with the youth. It's a smaller group. Um, I'm comfortable with them. Today I get to share it with you guys. And so um, I'm just thankful for that. So let's, uh, let's get into the word. Now I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. So Paul... Before we get started, let's, let's back up just a second. So what is going on? What are we reading? What is this chapter in the Bible? Well, it's Paul, the apostle, writing to his friends, believers, followers of Jesus, to the Philippians. Right? It's kind of a thank you letter telling them, you know, thank you for your gifts. It's also an informative letter telling them what they need to continue to do. And what the Lord has taught him. And he's just sharing with his fellow, fellow brothers and sisters. Similar to what we do today. But we have phones. We have email. We have internet. We don't write letters anymore. If, I mean, very few of us still write letters. But this is Paul's way of communicating to his friends in Philippi. Who sent him a gift. Right? Not that he needed it. But that he's appreciative of. And where is Paul when he's writing this letter? He's in jail. It's not the kind of jail that we're familiar with, right? Our modern jails have TV. They have air conditioning, soft beds. Maybe not so soft, but beds, blankets. Paul was in the bottom of the jail. So what they did with the jail that he stayed at was old cistern. A cistern is where they store water. So what they do is they cover the top, and there's just a hole in the top, and they lower the prisoners down, and they're all sitting in the bottom of this pit underground. And that's where Paul is when he's talking about being joyous. When he's talking about being content, he's in this dark, dirty hole, right? And where do you think the sewage goes? Yeah, it's right there with him. You know, it's not pretty. doesn't smell nice. But yet, Paul is thankful and he is joyous. And today, he's going to share a little bit about that secret with us and how we can get to that same place as he is. You know, today in our world, it's hard for us to be content. We live in a culture and a society that wants to bombard us with things that we should have, things that we supposedly need. Right, constantly advertising and marketing of this will make you happy or that will make you happy or if you have this, you know, all your problems will be solved or buy this vehicle and you'll never have to buy gas again or whatever the case may be, right? We just live in a culture where we are constantly bombarded with things to better our life. Um, but Paul had the answer all along, you know, 2000 years ago, he knew, he knew what, uh, would bring us joy and contentment. So it is hard to be content in our culture. 
Um, but Paul had it. Let's continue on to verse... Um, let's continue on. Um, so why, why is this section or why is this letter in the Bible with so many other stories? It's because it's guidance for us, right? It's Paul's handwriting. It's Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, right? One of the first churches, um, Christian church. They supported him when nobody else would. And so Paul is just, you know, thanking them. Um, again, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So he's just thanking them. You know, thank you for caring for me. Thank you for caring for me before. Um, we, I appreciate what you're doing, right? Paul here starts out by saying thank you for sending him a gift. It doesn't say what the gift was, but it said it was good, right? And it was acceptable. Um, and he was just appreciative that they were thinking of him and his well-being. You know, if, if you think about it and if you look at Paul and what he's done and what he's been through and just his body of work, um, you would see that it would be nice for once in a while to be lifted up, right? Be lifted up by the body, by one of the churches you started. You know, and he uh, he just goes on to say, thank you for caring, right? Back then, it, you couldn't just phone up some flowers or call, send them a meal, right? You had to send somebody from your church all the way to the prison Go in the prison, stay with him, and then they were allowed to give the gift. Um, but Paul didn't need that gift. And we'll go on to explain uh, more about that later. But he goes on by saying that they were always concerned for him. They were always concerned for him, but lacked the opportunity to show that to him. So the Philippians always cared about Paul, right? They were, he was their father in Christ, Right? He shooed away the false teachers. He taught them the truth about Jesus. He was the one that started all that. And through him, the Lord did amazing things throughout Macedonia, throughout that region of the world. And he goes on to say it's been a while since their last gift. Um, he knew that he, they cared about him, and it's been a while, but they're still giving. They're still sharing with him. And... You know, he appreciates that. Their gift was a cause of joy, right? If you're in his position, a dark hole, sewage, people, smelly people everywhere, a gift would be nice, right? How would you celebrate that gift? Would you celebrate the people or would you praise God for that gift? Well, here Paul tells us how we should act, right? The gift was a cause for joy in the Lord, right? Not because of the people, not because of what the gift was, but it was just cause for joy because for the Lord. In all things, you know, we got to give praise to the Lord. Perhaps they expected Paul to be joyful because of the gift, 
But as the context clearly reveals, his joy was in the Lord. Spiritual relationships brought the most satisfaction. Their love for him because of Christ's love and his love for the Lord. So it was natural for a material gift to be an occasion for Christian joy. The Christian nature of this relationship is supported by the word Paul used for concern. So they were concerned. What does that mean? Well, in our mind, concern means maybe thinking of them. In the Greek term, it is uppermost in their mind. You know, what are they feeling? What are they doing? How are they? You know, a lot of times we'll talk to each other, especially, you know, here at church. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm great. How are you? Back and forth. Are we truly concerned for that person or are we just greeting them? You know, the word concerned here is more than just a greeting. Um, and Paul used it, you know, consciously to point out what a proper Christian attitude should look like in following the mind of Christ. Right? If we're honest with ourselves, we should all be concerned for each other's well-being, right? We should be concerned for other believers' well-being. You know, it doesn't mean we have to send them gifts, but we should lift them up in prayer, right? We should care for their well-being, how they're doing. If somebody's going through something, we should be there for them, right? As the church, what is the church? It's the body of Christ, right? It's each and every one of us. Um, and that is being Christ-like, right? That's what Christ would do, right? If he knew somebody was suffering or if somebody was in need, what would he do? He would help them, right? And that's what Paul's so excited about here is he's seeing his students become Christians, right? He's seen his students not just learn, but their actions taking place, and that had been really exciting for him. As a youth pastor, it's great to see the kids take hold of the word and use it. Like when we go to Mexico, it's so great to see them just go out and get out of their comfort zone and get dirty and get filthy and get hot and sweaty and just be the hands and feet of the Lord. And Paul is feeling that same excitement here when, you know, the people he raised up through Jesus are doing the things that he's teaching them. There's no better example than watching it happen right in front of you. To move on to verse 11, it says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. So we're going to park here for a little bit. Um, Paul wasn't in need. If we look at his circumstances, it looks like he would be in need, right? He would be in need of a clean shower or clean clothes, right? Fresh shower, some good food. But Paul had all he needed. How? Through Jesus, right? Jesus gives us all that we need. Strip all the material stuff away. God gives us everything we need. But yet we get caught up in our society that we need this, we need this, we need this. Oh, I need to do this, I need to do that. But Paul's telling us, no, you don't need all that. Right, so what does Paul mean by the word content? So in the Greek, the word is pronounced 
autokeres, autokeres. And it's used only one time in the Bible. And it's not the contentment that we think. Think about the last time you were truly content. Or what would it take for you to be content here today? So content is to be free from care because of satisfaction with what is already one's own. It means to be pleased. In the Greek, it brings it out even more. Um, It is a more inward satisfaction. It's not an outward satisfaction. It's not external. It's internal. And it should be a habit or a permanent state of mind. It should be something as Christians that we have all the time. You know, and that's the difference between the actual and the possible. Right? What's our actual contentment right now? This week, what was our actual contentment? Were we, con- were we content? Were we not content? Why were we not content? And what is our possible contentment? Right? What does the Lord want from us? The Lord wants us happy. Right? The Lord is most pleased with us when we're most pleased in the Lord. Right? But when we're worried about superficial things, we're worried about financial things, we're worried about things that don't bring true contentment, we take our focus off of the Lord and we put it on those things. Right? The Lord wants our focus to be on Him. That's where we get true contentment, is from the Lord. Contentment is an internal satisfaction which does not demand change in external circumstances. So believers can be content no matter what the outward circumstance. Now, that sounds good, right? And it can happen, but it takes experience. It takes practice. It's not something we can just... Say, okay, Lord, tomorrow I'm going to be content, and I'm going to be content the rest of my days. It takes practice, right? Just like that stupid copy machine, right? I'm reading the word about contentment, and I still cannot get past kicking that stupid machine, right? But it takes practice, and it takes experience. And next time, I'll try not to kick the machine, right? I'll try to stay content, Um Because contentment is within, right? The outside world should not affect our contentment in the Lord. And that is hard because there are a lot of circumstances which takes our, our joy away, our peace away. There's sickness, there's illness, you know, there's loss. Um, but in all those things, God is doing something. You know, I wish I had the answer to tell you what he's doing in those situations. I don't. I just know what the word says. You know, it says to be content. And Paul is encouraging his church, his people to be content. And he's going to tell us what that looks like and how we can do it. So Paul says, back to verse 11... That he can be content in whatever situation he's in. 
let's talk about some of the situations that Paul has been in. Okay, Paul was severely persecuted, right? Everywhere he went, he shared the word of God. He wasn't on the corner sharing. He wasn't on the outside of the village. He walked in to the synagogue and preached Jesus, right? There he was persecuted. He was thrown out. He was beaten, right? He was stoned. He's even been stoned to the point of death, right? But he got back up and walked right back in. He's been thrown off cliffs. He was shipwrecked three times. And he was put into prison twice. And through all of this, he learned to be content. That is just to name a few. Yet he had learned through experience to be content through it all. And to continue his journey for Christ Jesus. To continue to spread the good news of Jesus. Now for us here, we don't face much persecution. You know, we can go into the schools. We can go to games. We can go on street corners. We can do all these things and not face persecution. If people started throwing rocks at you for sharing Jesus, how long would you continue to share Jesus? How many rocks is it going to take to stop you from sharing the word? Are you going to get back up and start sharing the word or are you going to go somewhere else? You know, for a lot of us, once one or two rocks start flying, you know, we're going to take a step back and reevaluate the situation and think, oh, what's best for me? But that's not what Paul's doing here, right? Paul's will is the same will of Jesus. Spread the good news, right? No matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, no matter what's going on, spread the word. And that's what Paul did everywhere he went, regardless of the circumstances, right? That's why he's in jail again for being a Christian, for sharing the word. And ultimately, that's why he's going to die. Okay. How many of us would continue our journey after one of these? You know, I'm fortunate enough to go on some mission trips and and get to do um, a lot of cool stuff in the name of Jesus. If I were to go to Africa and get beaten because of Jesus, would I want to go back? I I I would like to. Would my wife allow me to go back? I don't know. It's a different story, right? It's all part of, you know, Paul's life. Nothing stopped him. Nothing. Nothing stopped him. He continued and continued and continued. And it wasn't a struggle for him. He was content. He found joy in all these situations. Did he struggle at times? Yes. Because it does take experience. It does. It is a process. Right? The first time... Somebody hit him in the face with a rock. I'm sure he wasn't content with that, right? But over time, as people are throwing rocks at him because of Jesus, that's where he found his joy. He was doing God's will. So Paul is in jail, 
telling everybody to be happy, right? To find peace. Has anyone in here ever spent any time in jail? It's okay. We're all friends, family, okay? Um, Oh, if your parents are here, you don't have to raise your hand. (laughs) We don't want to get anybody in trouble. Um, I spent a little time in jail. Um, And it wasn't before Jesus. I started working here, uh, and about three months into that, I got arrested, and I got put in jail. And um, I didn't do anything. So it's not like I robbed a bank or anything crazy. Don't, don't look at me weird, please. Um, <laughs> so I'm out front uh, talking with a friend one Saturday, and police comes by, and they say, Who owns that white car? Oh, that's mine. Are you Levi Woodhouse? Yeah, that's me. Well, we have a warrant for your arrest. I'm like, wow, really? This is, this is a mistake, right? I, I've given my life to God. I've changed everything. I work at a church. What are you talking about? You have a warrant for my arrest. And so I get in the car, and I'm thinking, oh, we'll just go down to Buell Police Station and get all this worked out, figured out, and I'll be home in no time. And that's not what happened. The Lord had a different plan for this. So I go over to Twin, take me, takes me to Twin to the county jail and get booked and pictured and fingerprinted and all that good stuff, and I get put in there. You know, I'm thinking to myself, what in the world is going on? What, have I, what did I do? Like, so I'm racing. I'm like, mm, I don't know. You know, what could this be? And uh, it was a Saturday, so I wouldn't find out until Monday or Tuesday what, how long I was going to be there, what was going on. And this whole time, you know, all I could think about was Paul and Jesus. You know, Paul did this. Paul had a great experience from this. And so I prayed, prayed, read the word, and uh, tried to stay positive. You know, and, and Monday came around, and I didn't get any word. Tuesday came around, and they uh, take you from the holding cell and put you in your, a normal cell. And then you get some paperwork telling you what's going on and what's happening. And, and all mine said was, well, you have a court appearance on this date. So there was no bond set. There was no bail. So I had to stay in this place. Um, mind you, I've been working here for three months, and... Jackie and Jason are scratching their head like, oh, man, did we make a mistake or what's going on here or, you know. So um, so I'm in this jail, right? I don't know anybody. I don't, I don't know what's going on, but I do know that God is good, right? So I began praying before every meal, and people respected that. So we began having Bible studies every day after lunch. And uh, first it started out with a few people, and then it would grow to more and more people. And uh, so after the first week, had started a Bible study. Um, the Lord was doing some amazing things. And then I get moved to a different cell block area. And so um, as I'm leaving, I'm telling the guys, hey, keep this going. Okay, continue this. Keep this going. And so I get to the next place, same thing, 
we start praying before meals and we start a Bible study. And in jail, there's not a lot of things to do. So you get a good crowd, right? And you hear people's stories and you share and tell them about Jesus. They're hungry for it, right? They want to hear these things. And I could really relate with Paul when he was in jail. You know, I didn't, at this point, I didn't share the same contentment or enthusiasm or joy because I had no idea what was going on. You know, God did, but I didn't. I didn't know what I was doing there, how long I was going to be there, what was going on. Um, so I'm locked up. Uh, I'm able to talk to people. Um, it's not like the movies. Uh, it's not like people come and see you. So you can talk on the phone, and then there's a screen that you can see people. So it was kind of weird, you know, especially I just started taking over the junior high youth group. So it was real, real fresh, kind of frustrating. You know, it's like, man, Lord, am I doing the right thing? Is this what you want me to do? Like you're tossing me in jail? I'm, I don't know. But uh, the kids wrote me letters. They'd come and, and talk to me and... You know, it was very surreal, um, but the Lord is good. And so so about a month went by. Um, I knew it was about a month because after 30 days, if... So the reason I was in jail is I had a warrant for my arrest in New Mexico. And so um, I had to go back to New Mexico to find out what the warrant was for. Um, in the meantime, you know, you just sit in jail and wait. Um, but after 30 days, if they don't come and get you, then you can get out. And I know that because on the 30th day, nobody was coming for me. And I was excited. Right? I was talking to Jason, and, and he had a pizza waiting for me. Uh, jail food is horrible. Um, don't go to jail for the food, for sure. Um, so I'm excited. I'm going to get a pizza. I'm going to get some freedom. You know, I get back and, and get back into the swing of things. But at 10 o'clock that night, I was supposed to be released at 12, 10 or 11 o'clock that night, I get this little letter saying, oh, we're coming to get you. You have to wait there a few more days. That's just like, dang, this is crazy, Lord. What is going on? You know, I've, this was in the month of December. So I missed Christmas, I missed New Year's. I didn't miss them. I was just in jail during this time, <laughs> you know. And so um, it's just a surreal surreal time uh, but the whole time the lord was doing work so i ended up being moved four different times while i was in there those 30 plus days and each time we started a new bible study so at one point in the jail there was four bible studies going on every day and um, as i look back you know i can see the lord using that you know at the time i was more concerned with myself right i was concerned about my own well-being, my own joy, not what the Lord was doing through me, right? And so um, as I look back, I can see I should have been content with that. And as you'll find out, once you find contentment, then the Lord is going to provide more stuff. And so um, I'm there for 30-plus days. I'm tired. I'm just ready to come home, you know. And so uh, I get down to New Mexico Find out the warrant was for a failure to appear in court, but I never got a notice, and they put it on there, you know, was never notified. So I can't get out of jail. I have to wait to see the judge. 
And this part of New Mexico is pretty shady. So I'm not seeing the judge anytime soon. Um, long story short, it, I am in jail in New Mexico for about two months, just waiting to see the judge. And the people in this jail are a little more hardened criminals. You know, the Twin Falls jail, if I could describe it, is kind of like an adult daycare compared to, <laughs> compared to this other jail. You know, you get a TV, you know, you get your meals, and you just pretty much relax all day long. Down in this jail, there's real criminals, like my roommate or Sally. Um, one was a human trafficker. He got caught at the border trying to smuggle people in. One was an arms dealer. Um, one was a bank robber. Um, and so these guys were, you know, felons, hard criminals. And I'm just looking and I'm saying, Lord, what, what is going on? You know, uh, okay, I'll use it. You know, I'll talk to these people. I had one guy who was there for about two days, but he, uh, he got caught making hooch under his bed. Hooch is like jailhouse liquor. Um, <laughs> they just use fruit and ferment it, and it becomes alcohol. But, uh, yeah, he was making that under his bed, and so he had to go. So it was just me and two other guys. Um, but we turned our room into um, a little church. I mean, we'd have Bible studies in there at least once a day, sometimes twice, because not everybody could fit in the room. So we would do it twice. And, you know, through all of this, I should have had joy. I should have been happy, right, to see the Lord work and do uh, miraculous things. You know, we even did communion. We baptized people. We did all these things, and, and still... I had a hard time being content. You know, I thought about Paul all the time. I read all his letters. I read, you know, all his stuff. And I failed to realize I needed to be content. And so days turn into weeks, weeks into months, all that stuff. And finally, one morning, I go before the Lord and say, Okay, Lord, I'm content. I will be here as long as you need me to be here. I see what you're doing. It's working. I'm content to stay as long as you'll have me here. And if I have to go to prison, I'll go to prison. And so that, that afternoon, I went to go see the judge. And uh, I had a pretty decent lawyer, so he either called back or talked to somebody here and said, hey, have people in the congregation write letters. That'll help the court. Um, hearing. And so I get there and he's reading all these letters and he's looking at his notes and he's like, sir, what are you doing here? (laughs) I don't know. You you tell me. He's like, well, it says here you failed to appear. And it also says here that you were never notified. And so I don't know how you were supposed to appear if you weren't notified. And I said, I don't know either, right? So he said, okay, get out of here. And I said, well, thank you, you know. And so I was on the first plane out of there and back here as fast as I could be. But I look back, you know, and I see 
what Paul was talking about, about contentment, right? The Lord was going to keep me in that place until I became content. And not until we humble ourselves and say, okay, Lord, I'm content, right? I have everything I need. And that is just you. That's all we need. If you're in jail, all you need is the Lord, right? Us out here, freedom, right? All we need is the Lord. We don't need a big job. We don't need a fancy house. We don't need eight cars, right? We just need the Lord. He will provide. And how do we find this contentment? How are we able to be content? Well, in the very next verse, it gives us the answer, right? In verse 13, it says, For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength or who strengthens me, depending on the verse. And that's the answer right there, right? How can I be content? Well, I can be content because the Lord gives me strength. In my weakness, I can lean on the Lord and He gives me strength. At my best, I can lean on the Lord and He will give me strength, right? I can do all things through Christ. Now, does that mean you can go out and break the law or you can sin because it says that in this verse? No. You can do all things in God's will through Christ. Right? A lot of people like to just use that as a blanket statement. Oh, well, I can, I can go out and, and do this or do that because it says I can do all things. Right, but it's got to be the Lord's will. Just like Paul just like myself, we were able to go through this process because the Lord gave us strength. It was nothing that I did, right? My attitude was, what about me? This sucks. Get me out of here. My attitude should have been, thank you, Lord. I will do what you want me to do while I'm here, right? And that's the attitude uh, Paul's looking at. And how can we do that? Through Christ. Through Christ. Through the grace of God, right? Even so, you have done well to share with me in your present difficulties. Now, let's get back into Scripture. You know, we can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul expresses his dependence on the power of the Lord. And that's the state of mind we need to be in, right? We talked about it early. Contentment should be a state of mind. It should be a habit. We should always be content. That's the possibility, right? But what is actual, right? We all have an actual. We all have possibility is way up here. Where is your actual? Is it close? Is it way down here, right? Do we complain a lot? Are we unhappy with certain situations? Go to the Lord, right? Bring your actual up to the possible, And find your joy that way. But Paul expresses his dependence on the power of the Lord. Without the Lord, we were not content. We cannot be content if we do not have the Lord. You can have everything you want, materially and worldly, you won't be content. There will always be an emptiness in your heart. I've lived it, I've seen it, um, and you always chase the world. If you look to the world for happiness, you're going to always chase the world for happiness. But contentment can only be found in the Lord. In this, he knew that where the Lord led him, he had power. The will of God limited the application of the strength he knew. 
Many who misapply this verse step out of God's will for their own lives. Right? Oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, I can go to Hawaii and spend a year on vacation just because the verse says I can do all things. Well, what are you doing in Hawaii? Why are you there? Does God want you somewhere else? Right? Is it God's will? So the hope, they hope to cover their actions by a blanket promise of power. But power comes in the will of God. This Paul, thus, Paul explained a critical paradox. He was strong when he was weak because of the Lord. Right? He was dependent and self-sufficient only when he was dependent on the Lord. So we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me when it's in the will of God. Right? We can do anything. We can move mountains. Right? We can be shipwrecked. We can be stoned to death and rise up and go back in. Right? We can spend three months in jail and not go crazy because it's the will of God. Right? He gives us the strength. Let's move on to verse 14. It says, yes, Yet it was kind of you to share my troubles. It's nice when you know people have your back, right? It's encouraging to receive letters when you're in jail that people are still thinking about you. People are still worried about you. People are still praying for you, right? That's the biggest blessing you can have is when a group of people are praying for you, right? And Paul knows that. Paul is very appreciative of it, right? He knows um, prayer can move mountains, Right. Paul was again thanking the Philippians for helping carrying his burden, letting him know he was not alone in his fight. It's nice to know, right, when you go and fight for the Lord, that people are there with you. Okay, it gets lonely sometimes, and it's good to know that there are people there that still care. Verse 15, it goes on, it says, And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel... When I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. So again, he's going back thanking them. You know, when nobody else was there, you guys were there. You guys were there from the beginning. You guys are here now at the end. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Though Paul was content no matter what the circumstances, he was nevertheless grateful for the help that the Philippians sent. You know, even though we as Christians can be content in the Lord, it's nice to have our brothers and sisters come alongside us, right? It's nice to have um, people come and lift us up. It's nice to know that we have somebody there if we need them and when we need them. Uh, because, because they gave of their means, they shared with the apostle in his troubles. They did something about his problem, right? They just didn't stand back and do nothing. They helped him by giving him a gift, by lifting him up in prayer. Verse verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases your credit. 
I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrificial, acceptable, and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So others were always uppermost in Paul's mind, right? Paul didn't care about himself. He cared about sharing the word, right? Why did he care about sharing the word? Because other people were always uppermost in his mind. Right? He wanted those people to share in the same glory that he did. He was not looking for a gift simply to satisfy his own needs. He wanted the credit to come to the account of the Philippians. Right? Kind of like, you know, here when we give our tithes and offerings, we don't want to be notified or recognized for that gift, right? We want to get those rewards when we're in heaven. You know, we don't stand up here and say, oh, I gave the biggest tithe today, right? Oh, and everybody clap. We don't do that, right? Why? Because you will receive your rewards in heaven, right? You will bear fruit from that gift. Who knows where that goes or how many people that's going to help or... Is that going to go towards an outreach that affects hundreds of people and those hundreds of people affect thousands of people and those thousands of people, more thousands of people? It's just by giving, Paul wants to make sure that the right people are getting recognized, right? He doesn't want their gift. He wants them to get the blessing. It's not about the receiver. It's about the giver. And that's what Paul is trying to say here. Since these people had already helped him so much, Paul didn't want them to think he was still looking for more for them. He had received from the Philippians uh, a lot. You know, all the money they sent, uh, he was abound, and he was amply supplied. So the gift that they sent him took care of all his needs. Even though all his needs were already met through God, you know, Paul found contentment, so the Lord blessed him more. As we go to verse 20, it says, To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And, you know, that's how he's closing up his letter to his friends, to those that are helping him, to his, you know, children in Christ that he raised up. And then as we get to verse 21 through 23, it's, it's the final greeting. It's his P.S. I love you to these Philippians. You know, it says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus, the brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The final greeting came to the Philippians from Paul, from his fellow workers, and from other believers. So Paul here, he sends his greeting to all the saints. Right? He addressed all the saints in the writing. And the brothers who were with Paul also sent greetings. So Paul wasn't alone, right? He was converting people everywhere he went. Yes, Luke was with him at this time. Um, but it says brothers, right? He's continuing to do his work even up to his death. He's continuing to be content. He's continuing to to share the good news 
of Jesus. Those who belong to Caesar's household. Um, Why does he mention this? Well, probably those who had come to Christ as a result of Paul's house arrest. So the Lord is unstoppable, right? Even in Rome, the world power at this time, Jesus snuck through and got into the house of the ruler, right? It got to his wife, his kids, his servants. You know, all these people got to know Jesus because of Paul's hard work. Because his willingness to be content in suffering and in greatness. You know, no wonder Paul could say that what happened to him had advanced the gospel. Because it reached every Gentile. It reached every person from Jerusalem, you know, to Caesar's household. And Paul wanted them to continue to pray for that. Why? Because he wanted the nation to change. He wanted to be a nation under God like we live in today. And so um, that's the end of Paul's letter to the Philippians. And so today as we talk about contentment and strength and God giving us all our needs, I just want to encourage you guys to keep that, you know, in your mind. You know, don't leave here and go to lunch and forget all about it. You know, be content. Where do we find our contentment? How do we get content? You know, we got to go to the Lord, you know, through prayer and supplication, right? Walking in the spirit and not walking in the flesh. You know, when we find ourselves unhappy, take a deep breath, take a moment and look at yourself in the mirror. You know, what's going on? Oh, I'm worried about myself. I'm worried about my circumstances. I'm not content in the Lord. Okay, so thank you guys. Uh, Appreciate it. Let's go ahead and uh, stand and pray. Lord, we thank you for this time here today, Lord. I just ask that uh, your word will just find roots in the hearts of the congregation here today, Lord God. And I do pray, Lord, that you give us the ability to be content in any situation. Lord, no matter where we find ourselves, Lord, I pray that you... Give us that ability to be content. And not only when we're at our worst, Lord God, but throughout each and every day, Lord, let us be content. Let us be content, Lord God, because we know that you have us in the palm of your hand. You have everything worked out for us, Lord God. You have a plan for each and every one of us, Lord God, and you love us beyond our understanding. Lord, you care for us, and you want the best for us, Lord God. So I just pray if there's people here today that don't know you, Lord, or are struggling or backsliding, Lord, I just pray that they just submit, Lord, and just find their contentment in you. Just humble themselves, Lord God, and just uh, reach out to you. Lord, as we know you're reaching out to us, Lord God, I pray that if our backs are turned to you, Lord God, that we just turn around and we run to you. Lord, I pray that whatever's holding us back, whatever sin, whatever prideful illusion we may hold, Lord God, I pray that you just remove those today. And I ask that we can just be content, Lord, not complacent, but pleased. Lord, be pleased in you and with what you have us doing, Lord God. And if, Lord, you need us to move, Lord, help us. 
open doors for us, Lord God, close doors for us, Lord God, but ultimately help us be content. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah.
to see your kingdom come and this is my thank you for this day. We thank you for um, who you are, God. We love you so much and let us live out the truth of, of learning to be content in all things, God. We give you this day and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.